uh, swimcasters, uh, show about RPGs and stuff like that. I am Toaster, uh, I'm a cowboy, but let's get into the show. <laughs> Toast, what's behind this door? It's the designer's dungeon! Oh, yeah. you didn't. Yes, I sure did! Ah, <laughs> uh, Toast. Locked them up. I didn't mean actually keep designers yeah. in the dungeon. Well, it's too bad. They're there. Well, let's go talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> they're making, like, rough them up or something. So, hello, Swarmcast listeners. We are here at the designer's dungeon, and let's see who Toast is bringing up from the dungeon right now. Hey, everybody, it's me, Toast, and I got a, I got quite a surprise here. Let me just take off this hood, and ta-da! And now, ladies and gentlemen, a, uh, a guest who needs no introduction whatsoever. <laughs> Dang it, host. Um, anyways, for those of you who aren't in here, uh, we have with us, straight from uh, Vindicated Entertainment, Vincent Baker. How's it going, Vincent? Pretty good. You know, I must say, to be captured and thrown into a dungeon, you know, it could be somewhat scary at first, but the temperature is actually quite nice. You know, it's like a, it's like a little comforting, but there's a nice breeze that comes through. Uh, <laughs> not really exactly sure where that's coming from, but it, it's perfect temperature for me so i really appreciate it. oh no problem we we do we do what we can here at uh the swarmcast podcast we pride ourselves on having a um, nice very very well kept uh dungeon for our- yeah yeah it's very nice and also toast offered me some lovely tea so i definitely appreciate that as well oh hmm. yeah well, I, a- I i th- i think he likes <laughs> okay all right well hey vincent uh <laughs> so we've had you on the show before um the last time we had you on the show, you were you were really talking a lot about uh, the role playing game Other Worlds. That's been something that you've worked on for I don't know. I get I'm gonna say all your life. If I'm not, you know, you're not too far off to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> for one, it definitely feels that way, and two, yeah, it, I mean, it's based off of like my childhood imagination. I I was basically role playing before I even knew what that was. You know, just as kids running around. But we actually had a whole RPG system. We earned currency. We would like role play different NPCs. We we like had like toy guns that we had used and toy swords and like we had a whole thing with like classes ability i basically was making it ever since i was a kid like and that's what the game became. very cool and um of course that that has not slowed down any and in fact you've just been making all sorts of games um it seems like every time i i check you guys out or check out vindicated uh there's a new game of some sort out there <laughs> Yeah, one would not think that I have a full-time job outside of Vindicated with how much stuff <laughs> happens at Vindicated. So that being the case, let's go ahead and um, let's see. Toast, is, Toast is asked, has got some questions from some of our listeners and such and some friends of his. I'm sure what that's going to be about. So we're going to dive right into these questions. Um, and uh, hopefully some of them are going to deal with, with your main your new kickstarter that you currently have going let's see uh first first question he has here is so uh vincent what was it like hanging out with cloud tifa red and wait a minute (laughs) toast this is vincent valentine not vincent baker sorry about that 
Hey, it's always a good time. Vincent Valentine is me in another world. That's that's <laughs> me in the Final Fantasy universe. Okay. So, so what is uh, here's a good this is a good question. So your current Kickstarter out right now is called Heartseeker. So what is Heartseeker? Yeah, so Heartseeker is a fun uh, card game where essentially you're trying to win over three characters or as some people like the dub as waifus, uh, essentially you just want to make sure they like you more than anyone else. And so that they're, uh, if they, they favor you, uh, then you get a point. If you get three points, you win the game. Um, there is no player elimination. Uh, some people that may know my past card okay. games will know that those had player elimination, which isn't for everyone, but Heartseeker, there is no player elimination, but it is definitely uh, so somewhat of a take that type of game. Um, it is full of different tricks and twists. Uh, there's a ton of replayability to it. Uh, each of the characters have different abilities. Some of them trigger whenever they interplay, whenever someone gains their favor, or uh, just as a constant effect ever since they interplay. That changes the amount of cards you can play uh, and things like that. Um, there's also action cards, which are sort of like your effects that change up the way the game's played. There's moves, which is basically associated to the characters. So you want to match the move cards to the characters. And then there's favor cards, which is sort of like a quote unquote, like auto win, except for anyone else can use a favor to cancel your favor out. So they work so, somewhat like a like a counter spell and you don't know how many people are going to counter what. Um, so you have to try to use those wisely. And if you just spit them out there, it doesn't always work in your favor. So the uh, pun intended. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, one, one way that I like to design games is to make it so the rules are very easy to understand, really easy to teach, and it's really easy to have people play. But just because a game's easy to play doesn't mean that it's the optimal way to play. So for example, in Heartseeker, you can play up to one of each card type. Each of the cards have a distinct look to them, so you can easily tell which cards are which. And you can just sort of play whatever cards you want throughout the game and just kind of have a good time with it that way. Um, but there's also like surprising amount of um, like subtle depth to it where based off of the order that you sequence your cards and which cards you choose to play, you can sort of perform these combos with the characters that can actually get you one or two points in a turn that people would not see coming. So there's uh, been a lot of fun interactions that I've noticed that people like that become used to the game can start employing that just your casual person wouldn't necessarily. Okay. So what uh, about how many? So what's the breakdown of, of how fast does this game play? How many players um, can play this? And what what sort of age range are we looking at for your or heart seeker? I keep calling it heat seeker. It's not Good heat, old seeker, heat seeker. Well, now I need to make like a game called heat seeker. And it's just like heat seeking missiles you launch back and right. forth or something. <laughs> it seems it seems like a fun game in its own right. But yeah, so the game fits two to six people. You could probably play more than that, but I think two to six is like what's comfortable and that's what we advertise it as. Time-wise, I would say it's about 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, it actually is a little bit longer than Spellslingers or Guillotine, which is some of my past card games. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more to this one, but it still isn't complicated to play. And and it ends up taking about the same amount of time, even with it being a little bit more players, a little bit less. So like 20 to 30 is about where it's at. And as far as age rating, it's a 14 plus, which is mostly there because there's some like weird, like legal things. If you start like saying, hey, it's kid friendly, right. blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> so it's ah. just much easier. Yeah, it's much easier to like bump up the rating. Uh, with some people mentioning like waifus and stuff, there's a, a bit of like, oh, is that, you know, age appropriate and stuff. Uh, we do have a trailer uh, that anyone can watch. And if the trailer seems good 
with whoever's watching, then the game will be as well. There's nothing to... Okay. I could have definitely leaned into it being, you know, provocative or whatever, uh, more so than just uh, you might get from the theme, but... Um, I, I think it's actually if you if, if you watch the trailer and you think that's good with you, then that's what you can expect from the game. I'll just put it that way. OK. And is the and the trailer is uh, where, where can people see the trailer? Yeah. So we have it on our Vindicated Entertainment YouTube channel and we also have it on our Kickstarter for Heartseeker as well. Very cool. So um, I'm intrigued by the, the fact that you said that it still plays quickly when you have six people versus maybe three people and the, the amount of replayability. Those are seem like two key things that would go hand in hand game like yeah for me personally i i don't know what it is about me but i hate playing a game over and over and over again if it feels like it fits the same play pattern um Mm -hmm. like i really need some variance i get bored pretty easily and i need things to kind (laughs) of shake you know to to be different especially like since it's a game that i've designed and a game that i'm putting out there i know i have to run this game with multiple people i had to play test it a bunch i have to show it off at conventions whenever we get our order in i'm gonna be selling them at conventions so I have to make sure there's a level of replayability to where I just don't drive myself crazy. Right, <laughs> um, right. And thankfully with Heartseeker, there's, it, it ends up being, um, I don't know, like I ended up adding a lot of different types of cards in the game with a lot, a lot of different effects. I think similar games could have tried to budget things out a bit more and have less different cards and then just up the quantity of each card. But in Heartseeker, there's minimal quantities on a lot of the actions and effects. And so it ends up being where you're not exactly sure what you're going to see when you're going to see it. So you can, um, so that helps the replayability a good bit. And the characters are always shuffled and then distributed into like a lineup, like you might would expect from like a deck building game. And because of that, you don't know which ones are going to come out first. You don't know which ones are going to come out last. You don't know which ones players are going to go for or which ones they get. And depending on all those factors, it changes the way the game plays out in itself because they have the abilities added onto it. So, for example, like one character that's been one of the hardest to work around, uh, like one of, like she's like very interesting, but she's also very scary. And she says whenever she comes into play, everyone swaps their hand to the player to their left. And then whenever she's gained, uh, whenever someone gains her favor, everyone moves their hand to the right. And <laughs> you have to keep that in mind, especially when she's in play and you are trying to gain her favor. But you're like, okay, cool, I'll gain her favor and then I'll combo out with the rest of the cards in my hand and gain this character's favor as well. But then you have to remember like, oh, my hand's going to switch. So what's the probability that this next person will pass me a card I can use to finish out my turn with a win? You know, so like there is some like calculated plays you have to do even with things being a bit chaotic. Huh, okay. So what inspired this game? What was your inspiration for Heartseeker? Yeah, so it's always funny how things start because I feel like some people might think that I'm like some, I don't know, like giant, like anime dating sim guy or something. And maybe (laughs) I, maybe I played more anime dating sims than other people, but really what happened was I was recommended to play this game a couple of years ago called Helltaker, which is sort of like this game where this guy like wants to date women and then he ends up in hell or something. And so he's like having to solve puzzles. And then if you solve the puzzles, there's like these like demon women that he finds attractive that he like tries to seduce. And then like you gain like the demon women as you're solving puzzles. And then then there's also like a dating sim element to it. And then there's like a bullet hell element to it. And 
at that time I was like making tons of like fan made based games just to exercise my brain and see like, okay, how would I make Uh this into a game? And so I made a fan made game of this and we played it on stream with my friends and they had a blast and they, (laughs) and they basically were like, Vincent, you have to make this an actual game. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to (laughs) make like, first of all, I don't have, I don't have the IP, you know, I don't have the rights to this, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And I reached out to the guy just to see, I was like, you know, well, first of all, I wasn't sure if I even felt comfortable making a game with that theme to, to begin with, but I was um, I, I, I just shot a message over to the person who designed that game just to see if they'd say anything. I didn't hear back from them. That's fine. But it stuck in my mind because my friends kept wanting to play it. And that's always a good, a good sign because a lot of I see all the time in board game designers groups I'm a part of. They're always saying, like, I can't get anyone to play my games. Like I, if I get them to play a game, they don't want to play it again. You know, and I definitely feel for people in that situation. But it's a very good sign to me if I show off a game to my friends and they keep wanting to play it especially when there's no artwork it's all written with really bad handwriting on index cards like the game did not look good at all but the fact that people (laughs) had fun and it was all just like scribbles on cards on index cards then it's like okay cool there's something here so i just was like okay well if i'm not using that ip um what am i gonna do like what's a good ip i can use and so i was thinking like well i already have sort of like this repertoire of games i've already made and lore and characters it'd be fun to just sort of pull from the different games and just use those characters and people wouldn't even have to know any of my other games to enjoy this game but if they pick up this game it might interest them in some of these other characters so a fun fact about Heartseeker is every character in that game with the exception of one is a part of another game that i've already made even luna on the front cover for example uh-huh. she is a character in Spellslingers. if you get the Spellslingers game she's one of the main wizards you can play as and she also has an effect in Spellslingers that allow you to mess with people's hands so it carries over into Heartseeker. Oh, nice. yeah and then yeah and then on her t- on her shirt she has a little ghost on it and those ghosts are the same types of ghosts from guillotine so if you from play guillotine okay yeah you you notice that the ghosts <laughs> had the same design so there's a lot of like crossover and like fun nods and stuff like that and then also in the game booklet it will state where each character originates from oh, and cool. uh a, yeah and a description of the character and um just sort of like their personality and what you can like just different details about them that i thought would and then that also kind of comes from like the dating sim aspect as well mm-hmm. well that's really cool i like that I, in my mind i sort of have what's what I call the Vindiverse, which mm-hmm. isn't to be confused with like parallel alternate dimensions where you have like 40 Spider-Mans or something, but <laughs> just, <laughs> but, oh but more so just having like these different worlds, these different places that the games that I made like are based on. And then sort of having them, uh, certain games where if the world itself doesn't matter, such as Heartseeker, it's like, it really doesn't matter like where that takes place. So we can sort of pull from all these different characters. There's actually a new game that I'm working on that I haven't announced. That's not even the game that you're thinking of that you might bring mm-hmm. up later. Uh, <laughs> but there's a game called, yeah, there's a game called Truck Coon that I debuted or I kind of showed off to some people uh, recently and I kind of showed it off to, to some people at a convention I was at recently. The whole idea though is you get hit by a truck and you're trying to reincarnate into the best <laughs> world possible. In that there's some fun different uh, situations because there's like a mix and match vibe to it because again I love variants. So there's mm-hmm. like setting cards and then there is uh, like subject cards. I think those are the two names I'm going with. But anyways it could be like Will Smith in the Salem Witch Trials or like Logan Paul in World War One Trenches or something. <laughs> and and they each get assigned different point values. And then everyone has the same hand. So it goes from like uh, one to eight. And then one is your protagonist, eight's the dragon. One always beats the dragon. So if, if, you, if it's you and someone else plays the protagonist, they play the dragon, then you will actually beat the dragon, get to pick the one of the most points first. But... 
if no one else plays the dragon, then the protagonist has the lowest amount of points. So they're going to go last. And, and so it's kind of like this bluffing game and trying to figure out who's going to play what at which point because everyone has the same cards. And that's another game where we can actually use the Vendiverse, tie in other characters where um, it's going to have like a traditional isekai like um, JRPG type anime vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But so like the characters, we might have Aiden from Spellslingers, which traditionally has two guns, but he's going to be kind of uh, retrofitted to look more like medieval fantasy and maybe have two uh, hand crossed instead um, uh-huh. and kind of tying the characters that way. So it's kind of like where I'm thinking like Heartseeker, like fans of that will kind of jump to. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a game anyways, like say Truck Coon, for example, or Heartseeker, it's going to have mm-hmm. these characters anyways. Like to most people, it's like, oh, these are just cool characters, cool artwork, whatever. Oh, maybe. yeah. But having them be like have it like them be a certain character. It, for one, it's fun for me to sort of reimagine them, but also make it a fun little like almost like a mini game. If people want to to have it where mm-hmm. they learn, they're like, oh, this is that character. What's that? Where are they from? Oh, I want to see them in the other game. I want to see what they look like there, what they're doing in that. Game. And I also try to keep their themes consistent as well. So like certain characters, like I said, Luna, she's all about changing up people's hands and switching out cards. Mm-hmm. You know, Aiden's about playing multiple cards of the same number um like these are things i keep in mind or like uh kara she's a healer so in heart seeker she allows everyone to draw a card um whenever she comes into play so whenever she comes in play everyone's like thank you kara i appreciate the card you know people are very like she it feels nice whenever she enters whereas aika she's like our goth girl she's a bit meaner she makes everyone discard a card from their hand and so whenever she comes out it's like man she hurts you know uh but she she's a bit more vicious and so that reflects in her character and in her ability well that's cool i like that that's that's gonna be super fun to to check that and it's a nice little easter egg as it were for for anybody else who's who's might have played another game with one of those characters the other day i was 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 checking out facebook and i saw you made quite an interesting announcement and then later when i talked to you you were like yeah i didn't mean to post that but uh it's out there now. so what was this other thing that <laughs> what was this other thing that you had posted out? yeah so uh i wanted to go ahead and reserve sort of like an instagram page for something and i wanted to all be connected where you know i i could easily move between my accounts on instagram but I didn't know that it was connected in such a way to post onto my personal Facebook page without me toggling that on. Or maybe it's like toggled on by default. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, this this announcement is that I'm working on an Otherworlds TCG. And again, this is a, this is sort of like a weird pseudo soft announcement. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's out there, but I haven't made, as of this recording, I haven't made a big... Like I haven't sent anything to my newsletter subscribers. I haven't posted it in my Discord. Nothing like that. But uh, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm definitely happy to talk about it here because it's exciting. I've been working on it a ton. Um, so for those listening, I have a huge background in TCGs. I uh, I first started playing Pokemon when I was probably seven years old. I was playing that TCG, whereas most kids were just collecting the cards because I like the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I I actually learned how to play right off the bat. I was playing with my friends. I was playing with my dad. I, I was building decks. I was like fully immersed into it. Yu-Gi-Oh! came out. I got super into Yu-Gi-Oh! I go up to the local tournaments with my dad. Um, we actually made new decks that people had never seen before. We're testing out rules that weren't even clarified yet, where we we're basically like doing things that you should not be doing in Yu-Gi-Oh!, but there were no rules uh, saying that you can't, for example, <laughs> basically. Um, there's even there's even a meme where there's a there's a meme for Yu-Gi-Oh! where these guys came in with a, a bunch of uh, there was no limit on how many cards you could have in a deck. And these people had a bunch oh, of cards hard sleeved. So they just came in with like this giant uh, deck that was like super massive where you couldn't even really shuffle it. And oh, my, my dad, <laughs> my dad actually did that before the meme existed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had a lot of fun playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Then I got into Magic the Gathering and 
my um, my dad actually paid someone to tutor me on how to play Magic the Gathering on a professional level. And this wow. person, yeah, and this person's the best Magic the Gathering player that I've ever met. Uh, he's also someone that runs a pretty big Twitch channel. Um, I don't know if he wants me to name drop him or anything, so I'm just going to save his name for now, but... <laughs> he 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 actually has a card game Twitch channel that's all, like pretty successful, and I and I see people talking about it in different groups I'm in without even knowing him personally. So uh, he's a pretty big deal, and that guy was paid to tutor me one on one when I was like 11 years old to play Magic at a competitive level. And I would go to these things called the Junior Super Series, and we go to these different regional events. And I top eighted every single one I I entered. I made second place at one of them, top four and two of them. And um, I was like really into that. As I got a bit older, uh, especially when I was designing games or doing other things, uh, I couldn't really play as competitively anymore. So I just started playing casual. Um, I picked up Keyforge, Final Fantasy, the TCG, some other card games I played. I've also played UFS. Uh, versus system tons of different games so obviously like tcgs are very near and dear to my heart i've also been developing like just different ideas for tcgs ever since i was a kid even the last few years i've been sharing them with my patrons i've been sharing probably three different tcgs every year for like the last three or four years on patreon and it's a way for me to sort of test the waters and see like okay this doesn't work this works i like this i don't like that because there's so many different things people try there's so many elements that go into it Mm -hmm. and when you want to make a tcg especially if you want to have one that lasts. You want to be sure that you're happy with the core mechanics because especially when it comes to the resource system because that is that is the right. biggest yeah. Yeah, that's like the core of the game and I that that's been the toughest part for me to nail because there's so many different things I've tried. You know, Magic's infamous for their resource system being lands which add mana and then if you uh-huh. don't get enough of those, you get they call it mana screw but can play anything right. or if you get too right. many lands, then they call it mana flooded. Mm-hmm. A lot of games try to correct that though, but they correct it in such a way to where maybe it dilutes any variants and then maybe you know, funny enough, like a lot of those games don't do as well, but that could just be because Magic's kind of first in and and they just have such a big name recognition and they're a multi-billion company. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but, you know, there's a lot of games that try to handle it in different ways. And I've kind of realized like there are some positives and there's some negatives to it. And just trying to work with that is has been interesting. That's very but yeah, cool. I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of just, I was like, man, there's so much I can say and I, I feel like I'm kind of going <laughs> off the rails on so, for example, with with the other worlds TCG, I don't have a firm date on like say when the first available product for that will be available. Um, mm. I'm currently at a stage where I'm pretty happy with the mechanics, but I still want to test them out some more before I do okay. a hard commit on those. Um, with it being other worlds branded, I think it's a really good name for it because. For one, I've been building. For one, I have the registered trademark for Other Worlds in the tabletop space, so it makes like business right. sense for it me to sense. use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also have the Other Worlds tabletop role playing game, which I've been developing and adding mm-hmm. content to and working on. It's been part of, of everything, you know. And also, the name Other Worlds is like a solid name, and it connects the idea of being able to go to different places and have different themes and different types of creatures and encounters adventures. So I just think it really fits everything I'm trying to do. And I already, you know, one, one problem that people or one challenge that people face, especially for someone that's indie trying to make a TCG is having a budget for their artwork and stuff. But I actually have a wide range of artwork I can sort of pull from to not uh-huh. use for everything, but to sort of help supplement some of the cost and, and to make it where it's not um, such a huge challenge right off the gate whenever I'm you know starting off making this game. Okay. Again, I've been talking with Vincent Baker from uh, Vindicated Entertainment. Sorry, I didn't mean to pause there for a second. How could you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and we've been 
mostly talking about, well, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, so I don't know what we've been mostly talking about. But one of the big <laughs> things we've been talking about is your Kickstarter for the game, Heartseeker. Uh, check that out. It's it's on um, Kickstarter right now. The Kickstarter is going to end. Looks like it's going to be around March 9th or March 8th. So don't wait for that last 48 hours, listeners. Back it now. Yeah, no, it definitely helps. I mean, we... <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny doing enough Kickstarters uh, for anyone listening that's interested in doing one or maybe you just aren't aware of this or whatever it may be. The first two days are going to be some of your biggest like pushes and then the last two days. And then the and last then every, two days. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything in the middle is just kind of like a weird sort of like slump where maybe you'll gain one backer, you'll lose one backer. That's fairly typical uh, to, to have happen, you know, just people just kind of dancing around it back and forth. But, you know, there's also like a whole thing with momentum, though. If you have like a mm-hmm. lot of people kind of all pushing at once, then it can help snowball into, into further greatness. Yeah. And on that note, again, listeners, go check out Heartseeker on Kickstarter. Do it right now. I will have links to the Kickstarter in our show notes and links to Vindicated Entertainment. It is Vindicated Entertainment, right? Just yeah, no, you're things. you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> a lot like, of people oh, no. say yeah, a lot of people say Vindicated Games, uh, which would have been shorter, uh, maybe easier for people. It's entertainment that I mean, I, even from the onset, whenever I first made Vindicated, I had the idea of like not being I, like games are the focus and always the core of what we do. But uh-huh. you know, there's uh, you know, I'm currently working with a comic writer and illustrator, and we're working on doing a comic together that will have some of the characters that you might see in Heartseeker and some of our other games. And I also have a friend that I'm working on a manga with them. So, you know, we already released chapter one. So we have chapter one of our manga out. And so we, you know, we kind of, we, we kind of have some other areas to kind of like dive into. We're also working on some uh, short stories that we've already released. We're working on bundling those up and putting them into a light novel and having that at conventions and maybe for sale on our website and that. So our main focus is definitely the games and that's always going to be the core of what Vindicated is. But, you know, having some supplementary like storytelling and and being able to showcase some of our characters and stuff, I think is a benefit. And and I think it helps kind of differentiate us from some of the other people out there. Well, that's very cool. Where can our listeners find you? It's a good question. I think our website (laughs) is a really good spot because you can basically find whatever you're looking for there at Vindicated entertainment.com we have our social media links there we have um, a link to our discord server which is really fun uh, and definitely welcome you to join that and i would say most active I, i'd say instagram is kind of like where we're kind of doing most of our posts and, and stuff it's kind of tough to choose social media because right. you know facebook at this point is just getting really bad and yeah yeah <laughs> especially i mean my my audience is a is a little bit on the younger side not like super young but you know like you know maybe like 24 gotcha. to 35 and, and you know it's not a one i mean we have we have like i have fans that are in their 60s so it's not like it's not like a, a catch-all to say like you know their main audience but yeah i think instagram seems to be where most of the people that like vindicated tend to be at but yeah it is it is a bit tough i've been using twitter a little bit more but you know we'll we'll see where that goes but I, i'd say yeah. instagram yeah <laughs> instagram I, a... if you yeah if you want to follow us on social media instagram is probably the best spot at the right. moment yeah so in uh mid-march i am going to be at bonsai con which is in columbia south carolina mm-hmm. um um, and then the end of March to early April, I'm going to be at Triad Anime Con, which is both ran by a guy named Mark. He runs three different anime conventions in the area, and uh, they're pretty they're pretty good size. Like they're really welcoming, very nice. Uh, we have some of our best turnouts there. Um, and he actually like 
bought uh, and supported me like he bought the games that i was selling and stuff and and he seems to be a fan and he welcomed us back so we have a good relation with him um and then after that we have one in greenville south carolina which is sc comic-con uh that's been our best show uh i will say i kind of have a home field advantage uh that helps out with that being, you know, the best show because it's like 10 minutes away. It's very big for the area. Um, and a lot of people are just like, hey, Vince, you know, like, what do you got this time? You know, there's like a lot of people that just really like me in this area, which I've been trying to build up. So that feels uh, really nice. Um, those are our three next ones. I know we got some other ones. Um, there's one called Anime Town Greenville that we'll have in September, which is a newer show. Uh, they did one last month that was very successful. It was their first time they had over 6,000 people for their first show. Um, and then this September, they're going to double the amount of guests they have. And they oh, also, wow. yeah. And so they're, they're looking at maybe, yeah, like it, it seems like that's going to be pretty big. And that's also 10 minutes away from me. So that's a good opportunity for me because, you know, it saves on hotel costs, saves some of the meal costs, you know, all that stuff adds up. Oh, I was yeah. looking at my, yeah, I was looking <laughs> at my numbers from last year. I was like, man, you know, so much of my money uh, went towards hotel hotels and, and having to eat and stuff so uh finding ways to to not have to do that is very beneficial i i agree with you wholeheartedly on all of that <laughs> i know and i will say real quick that i know there's a lot of conventions i'm missing that i that i still want to do I, I i i have a job like a day job that <laughs> is is very awesome in a lot of ways um uh-huh. for many reasons but it makes it hard for me to do a certain amount of conventions, but you know, once life sort of takes me in a new direction, you know, I, I'd be looking at going to new conventions and new areas and stuff. Like once I'm kind of situated a bit differently with with my job here. So once Vindicated gets to a certain point, there's certain conventions that your listeners might be wanting me to go to. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more likely that I will be there as well once things kind of change up a bit in the future. So, hey, Toast. Hey, John. What's it doing? So, uh, do you know what happens when you do a browser search for the Swarmcast podcast? Uh, let me check. Brother, you get the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes podcast. Huh? Well, huh. Yeah. And you know what happens when you send a bunch of polite emails and notes and attempt oh. to go on to their show to just chat and just talk about how, you know, hey, guess, you know, we've been around a little bit longer and we have the same name, so, you know, maybe take that in consideration and and they just totally uh, brush you off and ignore you. Um, what? What You know what happens then, Toast? Uh, I'm afraid to ask. What happens then, John? Something like this. The Swarmcast Podcast presents the Hawkeyes Playoffs. In each episode, we'll ask our guests to vote on their favorite Hawkeye and why... And we'll tally those end results at the end of the year. Well, that sounds confusing and like something that I would have come up with personally, but uh, so who exactly are they voting on and what's going on with this? Well, let's see. There's um, currently there's original Clint Barton Hawkeye from Marvel Comics. Uh-huh. Uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye from Marvel Comics. Okay. Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. Yeah, okay. Um, this was a bit of a Dark Horse candidate. Riza Hawkeye from Full Metal Alchemist. Ah, huh. And Hawkeye from the James Fenimore Cooper's Pentology, Pentology. The Leatherstocking Tales. Oh, like Last of Mohicans and all that stuff. Okay, I got it. Uh, for the sake of this year's playoffs, we will only be considering these five and no MCU or Daniel Day Lewis depictions. You know, that guy made me want to buy a Nordic track just from watching that. Exciting round two to our uh, Hawkeyes playoffs. And if you're if you're new to this game, basically, we whatever guests we have on, we're going to introduce a couple different Hawkeyes characters or Hawkeye characters and get their opinion on who they think 
would be the better of the two. And then at the end of the year, we'll, we'll announce who is the winner of the whole Hawkeyes playoffs. I, I'm almost beginning to think this joke is probably more funny to me than it is to anybody else, but I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. So we have Vincent Baker back with us again. How, how's it going, Vincent? Well, I must say it's a pleasure to be here, John. Today is an exciting day in football, and I cannot wait to deduce and deduct the proper research necessary in order to tell you who the winner of this faceoff will be. With absolute correct precision. This is uh, a great day for those uh, Hawkeyes football fans. I- I'll tell you that. It's what you brought me in here for, and that's what I'm going to do. going to give the best Hawkeye uh, analysis possible. That sounds good. So let's see who we got uh, today. It looks like it's going to be Hawkeye versus Hawkeye. Wait, wait, there's more. Up at bat. Uh, up at bat. I'm getting my sports metaphors mixed up, but that's fine. I'm getting my Hawkeyes mixed up, too. So... Uh, looks like today we have, oh, it looks like original Marvel Comics character Clint Barton Hawkeye. He is the uh, archer who dresses all in purple and is famous for having an arrow that has a boxing glove on the end of it. I thought that was the green arrow, John. I think they both do. I think it was probably a case of the whole Marvel and DC copying each other. And who knows which one came first? I bet the DC one came first, John. It's, it's very possible in this case. Uh, looks like Hawkeye's got a he's got a selection of trick arrows, so this should be exciting. And let's see who he's going up against. Uh, oh, this was a a bit of a dark horse right here. We have Riza Hawkeye from Full Metal Alchemist. She's an interesting character. I believe uh, she was actually named after Clint Barton Hawkeye, so this should be interesting. And Full Metal Alchemist, she is a uh, quite the, the crack um, marksman, if I'm not mistaken. So this is very interesting. I do need to uh, offer a, a slight correction here. I do believe Riza Hawkeye is named after a military personnel vehicle, which is what all the main characters, well, not all the main characters, a lot of the main characters in Full Metal Alchemist are actually named after vehicles. Oh, you are correct. You are correct. I, I see that now in my notes. Yeah, well, hey, it's what I'm here for, John. So I'm happy to be here and I'm happy you brought me in because this is a mighty battle between two of the fiercest Hawkeyes that I've ever laid my eye upon. We have the Purple Prowler, Arrow, Archer, Marvel, uh, definitely not the weakest link in the Avengers versus Mm -hmm. Riza Hawkeye, who is uh, probably the most uh, coolest and uh, dare say hottest military baddie I've ever done seen. So fun fact about this one, I grew up being a pretty huge Hawkeye fan. Oh, by saying huge Hawkeye fan, I mean like I thought he looked cool as a kid. I liked the color purple as a kid. I I liked archers as a kid. I had a little miniature of uh, Hawkeye. I played some hero clicks and I had Hawkeye on my team. So um, I do have some uh, resonance with Hawkeye. Um, However, I've had a bit of a falling out with the MCU and I think Hawkeye in the, in uh, in the movies is a bit ashamed of the color purple. You don't see him repping purple as much as his comic book counterpart, which I think kind of hurts him. Now I actually, I like Jeremy Renner. I think he seems, I think he's a good actor. I I like him as Hawkeye, but he seems a bit ashamed to, to really embrace his costume. Uh, and to really embrace what it meant to be Hawkeye that I so loved uh, from him as a kid. Uh, when it comes to Riza Hawkeye, um, she is a part of arguably the best anime of all time. It's not my <laughs> personal favorite. However, it's one of my favorites, and I don't ever debate anyone that tells me it's their favorite. Um, Full Metal Alchemist is such a solid series. She is a very 
awesome character because she's she balances being like a strong uh independent character while also sometimes being a support character like she's like Mm -hmm. she's like very much her own person but very much like someone who complements the story as well she's not like taking up all the screen time and being like look at me i'm the best but she's also not like just a background role character that doesn't do anything and and has her own actions or inputs like she's very much like a well-written character. So this is actually a tough one. I, I, I didn't know how many different Hawkeyes you could throw at me and how many Hawkeyes you thrown <laughs> at your guests. Uh, so you actually chose pretty two uh, difficult ones for me to, to go with, with off of this. But, you know, I, I kind of have an anime bias to an, a Marvel bias at this point. Um, so I, and I mean, I, I, I like Clint. Like I said, I grew up liking Hawkeye, but I'm going to give this to Riza Hawkeye. That's that's my ultimate decision here. Okay. All right. It looks like uh, Riza, Riza Hawkeye is beating out Clint Barton Hawkeye and is going to be moving into the, the next round to go up against uh, Hawkeye Pierce MD from the show MASH. So that's going to be exciting as well. Yeah, I'm just saying if Riza does not win this whole thing, this whole game's rigged, and I want to <laughs> I want to talk to whoever is is debating this because this is no longer a debate. Well, thank you, thank you for the uh, the wonderful commentary here, and and again, this was this was round two, merely round two of the Hawkeyes playoffs here on the Swarmcast podcast. This has been the Hawkeyes playoffs, brought to you by the Swarmcast podcast. Let us know which Hawkeye you think should win. In fact, you should let every Swarmcast podcast that has the word Hawkeye related to it know which Hawkeye you think should win in the playoffs. Hey, Swarmcast, check it out! John's gonna talk about some stuff now! Probably Transformers and some garbage like that. Toast, I said give me an intro for my new segment. (laughs) What? I did what you asked. You wanted an intro, I gave you an intro. This is about my creative stuff. (laughs) Dang it, Toast. I asked you one simple thing was to introduce the uh, creative journey segment. Now I gotta do myself somehow. Part two. So early on in my podcasting career, which seems weird calling it a career, um, I had to learn so much about the ins and outs of things all by myself. Thankfully, I found a few other podcasters willing to share some information with me. I also have a compulsive need to dig deep into something and consume every scrap of information uh, before I dive straight into a project. Podcasting was a big heads first dive for me. That is to say, I don't know if I'd suggest going to listen to some of those first few years of episodes of the show. It was pretty rough. But then again, if you want to learn something and hear how much we've changed, uh, then by all means, go and listen to the first few years of the show. I already had a healthy dose of not caring too much about what people think of me being so weird and my level of self-shame or self-deprecating humor, whatever you want to call it, was was pretty low. I attribute uh, much of my sense of humor to watching early episodes of the Jon Stewart show back when it was on MTV, um, Mr. Show, Kids of the Hall, things like that. So my sense of humor is both a little odd, a little off, and as I mentioned before, self-deprecating. 
Um, and if we can't laugh at ourselves, then, you know, all that stuff. By the third or fourth year of podcasting, I got my friends involved. In retrospect, maybe I wasn't very fair to do that. I don't recall actually asking them about it first, but eventually they latched on and helped me to uh, get some game reviews, a few interviews, some roundtable discussions uh, that strive to be a lot more intellectual at times, and a bunch of dumb skits. Those who got the dumb skits really enjoyed it. People said we had good energy for whatever that's worth, whatever that means. So with podcasting, I found comes promoting. I found that task, much like editing, producing, writing scripts, etc., seemed to fall mostly to me. Um, I'm also working a full-time job, and my second job working for an actual gaming convention. So promoting and working a podcast became my third job, but it was only my job. Uh, to everyone else on the show, it was more of a fun voluntary side thing. The show was never going to and never has made any money. I keep ads off except for the few little silly ones that are obviously fake. Don't try to go find those things. And, uh, you know, we usually don't get any sponsorships. Everything is done out of pocket. Uh, that seems strange now, I'm sure, but I still have not gone to Patreon or any monetization yet. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Maybe I should. The idea formed in my head that I could make shirts, stickers, and other promotional things like other podcasts, but why not something that really fits us? Um, I began working on a card game centered around building podcasts. It went through several iterations, and after many plays and testing, mostly with my friends, the ones who were actually working on the show, it seemed pretty solid in a strange way. And then things seemed to change. Well, the show changed. The social environment changed. Everything changed. The whole world changed. And now that game seems very dated. It's filled with a lot of references that simply just don't make sense anymore. Heck, a few of those jokes don't even make sense to me anymore, and I'm the one who wrote them. So the game now sits somewhere on a shelf in my house, collecting some dust. Maybe I just need to rework it and reskin it to be more about content creating? Um, but those jokes, how do I rewrite those? I can't seem to make them very topical anymore because now I just do not know what half of these influencers out here actually who they are, what they're about. So to make it about my show, uh, what is in, what even is my show at this point? I learned at some point that writing, um, well, it's key to write about what you know. I had a professor who always said that in the same breath that you you need to write about what you know, but you also know nothing. So, it seems very zen or new age, perhaps, but maybe it is. Uh, you're supposed to write what you don't know about what you know. So, what if I take that approach to game design? I work for conventions. If by work I mean I bust my butt and, and have a monetary net loss on it. But I enjoy doing it, and it's a thing that brings a lot of other people joy as well. So, I know conventions. Uh, mostly fandom and gaming conventions. So, why not? I, why don't I work on making a game about that? Uh, I also draw a bunch of weird little not-published comics about my suit games. So now I have a theme, I have potential art, and I just need some game mechanics. I find myself going to a convention before everything blows up in the world. So Mega Moose Con, I want to say it was in the 2019s, or very early in the 2020. 
big shout out to Mark for Mega Moose. Awesome convention. Go check it out. And I finally get to play some games in their unpub area. I've been leery about going to unpubs in much of these bigger conventions because I just didn't know the lingo, didn't know who to talk to, didn't know what was going on. This time, I don't know, something clicks. I find that I need this at my convention. I don't just, it shouldn't just be there. It should be an integral part of it. So with that, I find myself diving further and further into game design. Suddenly this dippy little card game I'm making about mice trying to build a convention turns into something more. And I start thinking of other ideas, things that I can make. And at least one of those, inexplicably, is taking off in a much larger way than I anticipated. And I'm really excited to see where it goes from there. Podcast at <laughs> Renegade Games creates a wide variety of tabletop games, from board games to RPGs, and even puzzles. Working with them, Swarmcast Podcast is happy to review some of their products. Full disclosure, most of what we are reviewing was supplied either to us from Renegade or we purchased ourselves. I said, hey, 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 reviewing games by Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Ruby, and I'm here with John, and we're going to do a kind of review of Transformers, the tabletop RPG. Transformers is one of John's favorite, one of his favorite uh, <laughs> IPs here. Uh, so... Just be careful about the questions you ask him because he'll go on and on and on about them. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, uh, we're talking about the tabletop RPG by Renegade Games for Transformers, the RPG. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, John, I know you pre-ordered mm -hmm. the game, so you have that pretty red and gold foiled cover. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So, tell me what, uh, mechanic-wise... What is this game system? Because Renegade Games has okay. something that they use on most of their games. What is that? All right. So this uses Renegade's uh, Essence 20 system. Okay. And how do you use that Essence 20? Okay. So um, like with a lot of games nowadays, the D20 is what you're going to roll to do a lot of your stuff. So this is multiple polyhedrals. It's not. It is multiple single... polyhedrals. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to have a skilled die that's um or an essence die okay that, that's going to be one of those other dies so you're going to be rolling a d20 plus that other die okay possibly multiple other dies and you're looking for a target number okay, okay. i hate to boil it down to something as, as simple as that no, but, sometimes but that's, that's what it is but that's pretty much what it is yeah, yeah. there are obviously other rules and all about because oh, in yeah, a game yeah. like this transformers if you can't transform there's mm. got to be rules for that right right <laughs> okay uh so tell me a little bit about how the book is broken down Okay. The the book's actually broken down pretty nicely. It it gives a, a big section at the beginning talking about what is a Transformer, what is an RPG, and then it, if you're... And do they go into the TV series and the comics, or do they mention any of that? Or? They mention that those things exist, uh -huh. but... They don't uh, go too far into it. Right. So this this one, I... I'm not sure which continuity it would actually be in. Okay. That seems like more of a thing that you and your players would have to decide if okay. you're going to, this is where you're going to 
if you want me to go down a rabbit hole, I will. But this is where you have to decide, you know, which, you know, are we in the aligned continuity? Okay. Uh, robots in the skies continuity? What type of continuity are we in? Okay. So the first part of the book gives you some general information about Transformers. Yeah. Okay. And if you're, and if you're a huge Transformer nerd, it's got a big section where it says, here's a bunch of examples. It doesn't give them stats, but it tells you like a list, a bunch of names of Autobots uh-huh. and what their functions are and things like that. It does it talk about Decepticons anywhere in there yet? Not at the beginning. Okay. Those are the bad guys. Oh. So they come in this, the section much later on with here's, okay. here's the dude you get to fight. All right. Well, continue <laughs> on. Sorry. Uh, but then it, it goes into the, how to make your character. You okay. Know, it says, here's, here's how you choose your background. Here's how you choose the, um, your influences and the background in this case, in this game background is really what determines what type of form your bot turns into. So in other words, if it's like a car or a motorcycle or animal, well, this one does not have beast modes in it. There is a little sidebar somewhere where it talks about how to kind of do beast modes. If you want to, I suspect it's because we're going to get another book at some point. That's going to (laughs) cover Some sort of wars that deal with beasts of oh, some sort. Might be a little time travel. Maybe. Who knows? Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so it talks about how to create your character's backgrounds. Yes. So the background, like I said, is the thing that gives you your form, some of your starting skills. It also helps you determine your the size of your character. Okay. Uh, influences is, is the more personal parts of your character like like what types of things is your character into what so does that mean like scout medic um something else that's that's kind of something else although it could be related to that okay like you it's more your personality yeah it's it's more personality linked okay um then the last part of that the the true meat of that is where you choose your role which is where you're going to get something like scout or medical officer okay and those are where you're going to get your your role abilities it's like in D anD D, this is where your class abilities would come uh, from. Okay. So this is going to determine how much energon you start with, because your energon is used to power certain abilities. It's also used to power your transformations. Okay. And things like that. Um, energon is is definitely a key stat in this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would Imagine hope that, so. Right? Yeah. It's like their lifeblood. Right. So, so with the roll, you actually do level up. So it has levels one through 20 on okay. that. So as you, um, they don't really, instead of using experience points, uh-huh. it does more of a story driven kind of thing Okay, where it's kind of up to the, the, whoever's running the game, the, the game master will determine you guys have done some pretty significant stuff. I'm decided everyone's going to level up in their role. Okay. Okay. So after creating the character information, what's next uh-huh. in the book? Uh, then you get all your, your juicy gear. Juicy, juicy gear. Really? There's gear for for Transformers? So so what's interesting about this, about this particular game, this Essence 20 game, which eventually when we talk about other Essence 20 games, we'll see, is Transformers have uh, different loadouts. They have the um, stuff that's hardwired into them, Mm -hmm. or hard points, and then they have things that they hold on to. Like the Energon Axe? Right. So like Optimus Prime's Energon Axe that he manifests out of his hand Uh and pretty much... Um, anybody can spend an energon to create an energon weapon. Okay. Some people are better at it than others. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it might be like um, how some we- some guys might have like a blaster that's like their arm retracts and becomes a blaster. Okay. Those would be some hard points. Or if if they're like, oh, I've got this winch that I use in my alt mode, but I can also use it in my bot mode. Okay. That's also going to be a hard point thing. Okay. 
Whereas the things they carry are going to be like, oh, I've got these two blasters that I that I pull out and shoot at people, but they can be, <laughs> but they can be knocked out of my hand. Okay, you know, things like that. Okay, I think that's one of the more interesting aspects of this game. Right, I wouldn't have thought you'd have equipment and transformers. In all honesty, but well, I get it. Now. But but when you talk about that, that yeah. Way. So in, in other games, you would have like a um, they would probably go here's a massive pool of points mm-hmm. to build this stuff. Yeah. Whereas this, they just go well. Everybody has a certain number of hard points and, and okay. uh, loadout points or as such. Okay. I, that's kind of refreshing. A lot of the way they handle gear depends on what your the rank and your role is. So whatever level you are mm-hmm. can determine what type of stuff you have access to. Um, and a lot of it's kind of like you talking with your GM and saying, "Well, so it's not so hard and hard and fast." Saying this is this is your right your stuff this is the only thing you can choose it's more dynamic and and oh yeah yeah cooperative so it's kind of a nice little mix between a crunchier system and a very loose system mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of nice it 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 lets you you have a nice you have a firm boundary of what you can do so you can't just go crazy and say oh i've got <laughs> you know i've got this pocket that has everything i could possibly need in it but at the same time, <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> but at the same time, you you know, if you're like, well, I don't just want a blaster. I want a blaster that shoots like ice. Okay. Then you know you can do that. You can totally do that. Okay. All right. Uh, so after you get your loadout, uh huh. What's next in the the book? Uh, well, then you're ready to rock and roll. It gives you all the rules for how to do stuff, how to uh-huh. use your your skills. Okay. Which are based off of your essence scores, which is what the attributes are. Uh-huh. Your four essence scores. Um, and so it tells you how to use your skills. Okay. And it tells you how to do combat. So this is the, the meat of it, the rules. Right, of the rules section, okay. which is, uh, it's not as complex. So so the okay. rules section is actually nice in uh, maybe about 10, 12 pages. Wow. Which, which is fine because through my experience of running this thing a few times now, uh, it didn't seem like there was a lot of, hmm, well, hold on, let me pause the game so that I can. Okay. So we can look up this rule. Okay. All right. So after the rules, because you mentioned. All right. So after the rules, it says, hey, if you're the game master, uh-huh. here's some baddies for you to go up against. And do they actually stat out the baddies they... or do they just tell you how to make them? Oh, they stat them out. Oh, really? Yep. Um, and it looks like for the most part, you can make, if you needed to make uh-huh. a baddie, you can make one using the same rules that are okay. in this book. All right. Uh, but yeah, they give you a nice little cross section. They don't give you everybody. Okay. Because why would they give you everybody? Right. But they do give you Starscream and they do give you the Insecticons and they give, uh, a few of the combiner bots with a hint about the whole combining stuff on it, even though there's no rules in this book about combining it all right so it's a nice little juicy little you know if you read that you might go like me you go "Ooh, we're getting combiners at some point <laughs> they can't not give us combiners at some point right uh, i guess <laughs> so tell me about the quality of the book i know we have the pre-order version but uh-huh. the base version as well tell me oh, what's the art like in it okay so it's it's the art's really nice it's really good um it's interesting because with Transformers art, mm-hmm. usually, depending on when you get whatever product you get, you can kind of tell like, oh, this was IDW stuff or this was Marvel comic stuff. 
IDW is another comic is a comic book company. Right, right. So um, many different, many different comic book companies get have gotten the IP for Transformers uh-huh. over the decades. Yeah. And usually whoever has that IP is kind of who's in charge of the art for all of the different products that come out during that time during that time period. Okay. This has some this is a this seems more like it's in house or so it's not something else. So it's like it looks like it's not proprietary. It's it's made for this. It's made for this book. Yeah, it is. It does not look like any of the stuff that's on any of the box art for the current toy lines and okay. such okay or for any previous toy lines and such it looks very much like its own thing and it's but that's not to say that it's bad it looks great it looks good what about the quality of the book itself and the paper and things like that it's a nice it's a nice um stock the paper itself so the only difference between my copy of the book and a regular retail version of the book mm-hmm. is just is really the cover, cover. the the just the design of the cover um but the yeah that this it's thicker paper glossy it's glossy right it um, has does it, it have the little ribbons in i it? was just gonna say it's got <laughs> i want to say it has uh two no i think it has this the the one ribbon in okay. it but it's a nice little bookmark ribbon. i know that's something you've enjoyed in more modern you know RPG yeah books. I, I didn't think i would enjoy it as much but a lot of the rpgs we've been getting recently i've had those in there and mm-hmm. boy have those been nice okay um, well, is there anything else you want to say about the game? Uh, the game, now that I think about it, the book, the main book also does come with a sample adventure in the back. Oh, that's So that's good. a, that's a plus. So if you're, if you're at that point and you're like, cool, we're ready to go. We've made our, our team of our squad of bots. We want to do something. Mm-hmm. Nice little intro adventure right there in the back. And I read through it and it's, have you run that one? I have not run that one. Okay. I haven't actually run any of the pre-generated adventures from Transformers yet. Okay. Oh, so this is Transformers RPG by mm-hmm. Renegade Games. They And it's an Essence 20 system. Right. Something interesting and unique about this is their other Essence 20 games, such as G.I. Joe mm-hmm. and... Power Rangers. Power Rangers. And I think they're, I think they're My Little Pony one as well. <laughs> Which is funny because there is a Transformers My Little Pony crossover. Yes, comic. in the comics. Yep. There were two of them yep. from IDW actually. Now yep. But anyway, <laughs> all of their Essence 20 games can mm-hmm. be integrated together. That's true. That's very so, true. So that's a neat little thing. So if you're interested in one of these particular IPs, you can, mm-hmm. oddly enough, combine them. I think... Um, I I would be very careful before just telling your gaming group, hey, we're just going to play Essence 20. Right. Make whoever you want. Because I'm not sure everybody's going to want to be like, you know, G.I. Joe's teaming up with Pinkie Pie or somebody like that. (laughs) But in theory, you could. But you can. You totally can. All right. So Transformers and and My Little Pony. Yes, it can be a thing. (laughs) And listeners, if you haven't checked out the the current IDW My Little Pony Transformers uh, friends, friendship is transforming. I think is what it's called. Okay, do it. It's it's better than <laughs> you'd expect. It pro- better yeah. than you expect. Better than it has any right to be. All right. <laughs> so, is there anything you don't like about the Transformers RPG by Renegade Games? Um, one of the things I <laughs> this is a hard question for me to answer because right? uh, I I pretty much love anything with transformers the one thing i don't like is that i don't have i don't know how combinations work uh-huh uh i don't really have some firm uh beast mode 
okay. stuff. So it's about what hasn't come out yet. So it's mostly about what hasn't come out yet, but that's just me going like, well, I want to make a Target Master, darn it. Okay, but I can't okay. make a Target Master. Other than that, I can't think of anything right off hand that I that I don't like about this. Okay. Uh, so my last question is, do you know if they have other products related to this IP? As a matter of fact, they do. They have a GM screen, which comes with another adventure, another adventure that's actually a good follow-up to the one that's in the book to the one that's in the book okay in fact they they say you know hey if you've run this go and do this okay and they've got they've got the an awesome dice bag which of course i have it's it's a it's <laughs> of course a, you do it's a nice uh black dice bag that's got a little autobot symbol on it don't they have a decepticon version bag? they do not have oh, a decepticon okay, bag. Okay. yeah i imagine that at some point they're going to do that but you can also get the dice set for, so they have a dice set. Right. It's, it's got all the polyhedrals. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to talk about the dice set here in just a second. Okay. Uh, it's got all the polyhedrals and including the D2 because D2 oh. is important. In so this, this system uses the standard polyhedral set and a D2. And a D2. And in this okay. case, the D2, they usually represent it with the base. It's like a poker chip. Okay. That is, you know, it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip. Okay. Um, or if you're like us. You find some cool D2s <laughs> at your local gaming store that are not put out by Renegade Games. Yeah, okay. They are just a thing. The only the only issue I found with the dice, uh-huh. and I found this so far because I've got that I've got the their dice for Transformers and for GI Joe, and they okay. both have the same flaw, uh-huh. which is on the D4s. The way it's printed, uh-huh. if you roll a four, two of the sides will say four, one side will say three. Oh. Well, that's that's a bit of a flaw. So you kind of have to roll it yeah. and then just kind of look at it carefully and going, well, there's more fours on this than there are three. So this is clearly the four. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yes. <laughs> but other than that, right. I mean, it's dice that have little Autobot symbols on it. So <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? Okay. So is there anything else you want to say about the Transformers RPG by Renegade Games? Um, I think this has been a long time coming. <laughs> it's one of the games that you actually really enjoy, and it's uh-huh. a system that seems to work pretty well and it's fairly easy to learn. Yep. All right. And I, and I bring it to conventions. So if you find me at a convention, I might be running this game. Okay. Well, thank you, John, for telling us about Transformers, the RPG by Renegade Games. All right. Thank you for having me on this Swarm Cast podcast Cast. that you're the host of. Okay. <laughs> This has been the Renegade Review on the Swarmcast podcast. Check out Renegade Games online at your FLGS or friendly local gaming store. Also check out previous episodes of our show and our YouTube channel for Renegade Puzzle Reviews and let us know if you would like more. Marvel United is a game by Simon where you pit your favorite Marvel superheroes against the master plans of a supervillain. Using his own superpowers of having read a lot of comic books over the years, playing a lot of this game and just being an overall super nerd, I mean super fan, John breaks down some of the characters, both who they are in this game and in the comics, and with the help of his wife, Ruby. Hey everybody! So we have a new segment here on the Swarmcast. Uh, it's going to be concerning the Marvel United and X-Men United um, games. Both my husband and I are, are really huge fans of it for all sorts of reasons. So, John, 
How you doing today? I'm I'm doing good. That's yeah. I, I usually don't get asked that question right on the show. How are you, how are you doing? <laughs> not bad, not bad. I'm excited. Cool. So, so what's um wow? So so what is this? This is the first one. What are we yes. going to be talking about? Uh, so I think this time we are going to go ahead and talk about uh, Wasp, Ant Man, Modok, and Kang the Conqueror. What? It's it's like we've themed this. Right. Uh, we just did recently we'll go and watch <laughs> the movie. So this seemed kind of fitting for our first one. So cool. So who do we want to talk about first? All right. So let's talk about Wasp first. Okay. All right. So uh, these are characters that I don't know a ton about. Okay. Modoc is probably the one I know the most about here. Uh, so Wasp, tell me when was her first comic book appearance? All right, so this is a very interesting one here because in relation to now, now one thing when we're talking about the characters here in the Marvel United mm-hmm. game, we're talking about the comic there's, book. There's versions. very right, and there's very specific ones that they put in here. Correct. There's been multiple people who have been the Wasp. The Wasp, and in the Marvel United game, it is Hope Van Dyne. Okay, which happens to be the same one in the is, Marvel MCU. Right, right. So it's not um, it's Janet. not Janet Pym. Janet Van Dyne, whatever you want to call her. So <laughs> Hope Van Dyne. And this is probably mm-hmm. the most interesting and bizarre one to start off with. Okay. It, I know it seems like she'd be really straightforward, <laughs> but she totally is not. So Hope Van Dyne specifically first appeared, and this is bizarre because I really had to dig deep on this one, in A Next, number seven in 1999. Wait, you didn't know about her? Well, uh, Hope Van Dyne is, is a weird character. Okay. So... The character of Hope Van Dyne does not truly actually exist mm-hmm. in the Maiden Marvel Unite Marvel Comics universe. Yeah, I guess the person that I'm thinking of would be Janet Van Dyne because right. she was a socialite, essentially. Oh yeah, and a she, rich, 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 rich white woman. <laughs> so she right, white so, American. So Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, uh-huh. first appeared. Uh, I don't know back Long time back ago. when. Um, Hank Pym first appeared. Okay, so okay. Tales of Suspense. But so Hope, Hope. Van Dyne, yep. 1999 in Anext, which is a... 1999? Which, That's actually not that long it's ago. It's not that long I ago. I mean, it is, but it isn't. So so Anext was, um, it's Avengers Next. Okay. And it's sort of a, uh, at this point, alternate future okay. of Marvel trying to go, hey, hey, kids, what if these old characters were hip and brand new? Oh. So she is the daughter of, of Hank Pym and Janet okay. Van Dyne. Okay, okay. Uh, but in in Anex, she first appeared as a character called Red Queen. Okay, which is basically so basically she had the same powers as the Wasp. She was the Wasp. Her costume was the Wasp. Okay, so she eventually became the Wasp. Now the character that's currently in Marvel Comics that mm-hmm. is the direct reaction to the Hope Van Dyne from the movie, and uh-huh. this is probably the longest explanation of any of these characters that we're going to get. It's <laughs> At so, least this time. Because she is so bizarre. Yeah, until we get into some weird X-Men stuff. Right. Because she is so bizarre. Um, there's a character in the current Marvel Universe that is based on the MCU version, which is the, so she is the daughter of Hank Pym. Okay. And she is, and her name is Nadia Van Dyne, and she is the unstoppable wasp who came out in 2016 in the in a civil war two okay, okay crossover thing she is the closest we have okay to that direct correlation okay and she's actually the daughter of hank pym and maria pym so not even janet van dyne okay and maria pym is going to be interesting when we talk about modok because she ties in in a weird oh, way with modok okay. which is bizarre 
All right. So what are the wasp's general powers, abilities, things like that? Okay. Well, she can she can shrink, and her suit has wings on them, so she can shrink and fly around like a like a little bug. And mm-hmm. she has these uh, bioelectric blasters that okay. she zaps people with. Okay. Um, that's pretty much the wasp. Okay. So, <laughs> what do you think from what you know of the wasp and what you've read of in the comics? What do you think your favorite appearance in the comics of the wasp is? <laughs> and this is such again such a weird loaded question, right? Because if we're talking about this particular one, I have so few uh-huh. of the Marvel A or whatever they called it, the Marvel uh-huh. Next comics. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It's probably uh, from an issue of like Wild Thing, which is, there's a <laughs> deep dive right there. Or or whatever his name was. There was this guy who was the son of the Juggernaut. Okay. So it's probably some background thing where she's hanging out with the Next Avengers and okay. helping out one of them. All right. All right. So. What area, uh, what box set or or wave was the Wasp from Marvel United actually in? Okay. Now, I was going to say game. this is, in this particular character in the game is from the core box. But then I thought about it, and I want to say she's actually from only certain versions of the core box. Really? So, because there's, the core box is a bit of a controversy. There is the Walmart edition, which has Venom, mm-hmm. but does not have Wasp. Oh, okay. And I, I want to say the non-Walmart editions have Wasp, but and no then the, Venom. And then, of course, then there's the Kickstarter version, which had her. Right. Okay, right. okay. So, right. so for us, because we had the Kickstarter version, mm-hmm. we had Venom and we have Wasp. All righty. <laughs> All right. So... Um, she is played as a hero character. Mm-hmm. Um, what are her special abilities? All right. Well, and does she use any special tokens? She does not use any special tokens. Okay. Uh, her special abilities are, are just kind of what you would think they would be. She has a shrinking ability where, where she shrinks down and then she is immune to damage for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her wings, which let her fly, but it also lets her move other heroes okay. around the board. Which is kind of okay. Which it seems a little unusual to me, but okay. I mean, hey, that's kind of cool, right? And then she has her little bio blast, or in this case, they call it energy projections, which lets her um, move. She basically flies over to a location and does some damage. And have you actually played this character in Marvel United yet? I played her in a solo mode a couple times. Do you think that the game actually captures her essence from the comics pretty well? I. <laughs> Again, another loaded question, I'm right. sure. Um, I'm going to say yes, because to me, she's always been just someone who shrinks, flies around, and blasts people. And that's pretty much what she does in this game. All right. So that was the Wasp, Marvel United. So tell me about Ant-Man, his first comic appearance. Okay. So in terms of this game, this Ant-Man is Scott Lang. Okay. Again, um, another character that's been multiple people. Yes, there's been three different Ant Mans. Um, I'm not. I'll, go, I'll talk yeah. mostly about Scott yeah. Lang. He's he's. I think he's actually the current Ant Man right now. Anyways, okay. Scott Lang first appeared in Avengers number one eighty one in nineteen seventy nine. Wow, he's as old as I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the character, the character, right, 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 the character appearance. Uh, He's pretty straightforward. If you've seen the MCU movies, uh-huh. that's pretty much the same-ish, mostly, background. All right. Uh, same background. So, petty thief, mm-hmm. criminal. Yep. Electronics guy who is also a thief who okay. happened to 
find you know, and right the the Ant Man armor and okay. Hank Pym saw potential in him and said, "Hey, okay, how'd you like to be Ant Man?" Okay, and his powers and abilities are pretty much the same. Then they uh, are yep. shrink, grow, and shrinking and growing, and also the talking ants? with ants. So, what was your favorite appearance in the comics? Oddly enough, my first appearance, my first, my first appearance in Marvel comics. Ooh. My first. Technically, you do have one. That's true. A letter. Sure, I do. Uh, listeners, go out there and try to find it. <laughs> no, don't that'll do be, that. That'll be super easy. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway. My favorite appearance of the Scott Lang Ant-Man, which is kind of funny because this was one of the first like, true mainstream Marvel comics that I got, was in a what if. And it was what if Iron Man lost the Armor Wars, which I find amusing because we're getting ready to get an Armor Wars thing okay, from okay, okay. Disney+. Plus. Okay. And it was it was basically him trying to working for Tony Stark trying to steal back plans for his armor from somebody. Okay. So game wise, what set is Ant Man from? Okay, he is definitely from the core set. Okay. No matter which version of the, of the core Marvel <laughs> United set you get, he is in that box. All right. And what special abilities from the game or tokens does he have? All right. He does not use any special tokens. Okay. He can shrink, oh. kind of like Wasp does. Oh. He shrinks and he's immune to damage for a bit. Okay. He can then grow, become giant man, uh, as it were. <laughs> Clever. Which, which when he grows, he he moves into another spot and does a lot of damage. Okay. So, so like if you've seen Quantum Mania, how he's telling Cassie, remember yeah. you, what is it, uh, you jump and jump and grow or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Okay, okay. And the other thing is he has this interesting quantum leap ability where he gets to change one of his cards that's in play uh-huh. with this one. So he can ch- affect the 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 storyline. The storyline. Yeah. Story he basically swaps out. He puts that quantum leap card in, in its place, place of another and one. And then you take, now just his card or someone else's? It's one of his cards. One of his cards. So, okay. he, so he basically takes that card and moves that. So so the card he swaps it out for is, the, is acted as the one that he's currently playing. Okay. And have you played this character in the game so far? Uh, this is another one that I've done in solo mode. Okay. And do you think it captures the comic book feel? Um, there's a lot of it that does. Unfortunately, there's no, none of the ant, none of the communicating with ants ah. in this. So, so he doesn't have any of the, there's no little ant thing for him to ride around on. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, call forth swarms of ants to help him out. Hey, all righty then. <laughs> so the next character we have kind of excited about this one because i find him highly amusing uh-huh. is uh modok yes and what does modok stand for well it depends on who you ask and when oh, you ask okay the one i'm familiar the one i usually go to is the mental organism designed only for killing okay okay i know in the movie they used what mechan mechanized uh, which is also correct. Okay. There's been various. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when did Modoc first appear in comics? Oh boy, Modoc, and in this case, and and it's weird because unlike the other guys, there's only been one person who's really been Modoc. Oh, it's there's, an actual person. Yeah. Some there's, weird there's, gigantic there's been, head. There's been multiple versions of things like Modoc, but uh-huh. there's only been one real Modoc, and okay. that was this guy named George Tarleton. That's his real name. Oh <laughs> why? Right. So he appeared first in Tales of Suspense, nine, number 93, in 1967. Wow. Mainly as a Captain America villain. Okay. Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah. 
Okay. And what's his, you said Captain America villain, mm-hmm. and then he moved over to other types of villainry. And he's he oh, a yeah. part of a special organization? He is, he's currently the leader of AIM. Which is? The uh, Advanced Ideas and Mechanics. Okay, okay. Um, do you like how I'm feeding you these questions? Yeah, yeah I do you like know? this. <laughs> All right. And what are his special his powers in the comic? All right. Well, he, he has a lot of mental psionic and psychic abilities. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And he's uh he's a superior chief scientist scientist uh, guy for AIM, so he has all sorts of weird technology and such. Okay, but isn't he kinda, you know, goofy? Um, yes and no. He's, I mean, his condition has kind of led him down that, okay, that path. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people have, have, a lot of people, mostly him, have done different mental things, mind wipes and stuff on himself. Okay. And mentally changed his, his idea of what his background was many, <laughs> many times. Alrighty then. So what's your favorite appearance for him in the comics? So in the, I know comics, there's my favorite appearance is a TV show, but well, oddly enough, the if if you watch the Modoc Hulu series, mm-hmm. that's kind of that's pretty darn close to the the more current um, take okay. on Modoc in the comics. Okay, okay. My probably my favorite appearance. Uh, oh gosh, it was probably in I want to say it was in a it was either Deadpool or it was an Agent X comic. Oh. Where they were breaking into AIM. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And they end up, in, a, in order to get out of the, the AIM helicarrier uh-huh. that is crashing. Yep. I, I remember they like, steal his chair. They steal his chair. They basically dump him out of his chair and, and use his chair to try to <laughs> hover down. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what set is MODOK from in the game? All right. So MODOK is from the, what, the promos. He's from the promo box? From the Marvel United promos box. So okay. He's, he's, so he was a Kickstarter? Yep. Unfortunately, okay. listeners, he is a Kickstarter exclusive. Okay. All right. Um, so the format we're going to go is a little bit different with the villains. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we're going to look at his dashboard information. Does he have any special setup? Uh, yes. He has one of one card that's in his master plan that you have to take out and put on the top of the deck. Okay. That's pretty much his his basic setup. All right. Uh, there's also, I'm sorry, there's another, there's a threat card, which if it gets drawn out and that's where the heroes happen to be, okay. then you swap out which threat card is there. Okay. And does he have any special rules? Uh, he does have some special rules. Modak is, is one of these characters that's going to be flipping a lot of cards face down. Okay. So he's going to be flipping a lot of his... Of the superheroes cards. So if you're using a character that swaps out cards from the storyline, he's pretty, pretty bad because then right. you can't swap out those face down cards. Right. Okay. And if you have a card where like with, like with Wolverine and, right. and such, who has a card where as long as this is face up in the storyline, the special effect, like it's that could, oh, yeah. so. that could really mess with that. Okay. All right. And uh, does he have any special villainous plots or winning conditions? He totally does. Aside from the normal winning conditions, his villainous plot is um, the heroes will lose if all of the car, all of their cards in the storyline are face down. Oh, and almost everything he, he does, does affects those cards in the storyline. Okay, so you mentioned his master plan deck, mm-hmm. um, and you've already kind of mentioned his special cards. Was there anything other than that with his special cards? Does um, he, have- he has well, he has one that speeds up how often he goes. Okay. But, so other than the regular right when you clear threats other than that but for, for the most part everything else he does is, is stuff that's going to flip over hero okay. cards 
So on his threats, does he have anything special with his threats? All right. So he is one of the villains that actually has some henchmen. Oh, he does. So he has the living laser. <laughs> yeah. So his henchmen go back as far into the Marvel archives as he does. Okay. So he has the living laser. He basically <laughs> just sits there and does a lot of damage. Uh-huh. Spot, who we're actually going to be seeing a character for in an upcoming release that's coming out in 2023. Yeah. Spot is going to be in the Spider-Verse. Ruby just gave me this okay. look like she was confused. And, oh, com- yeah. and Chameleon, who is also coming out in the season three. Don't, um, yeah, we're getting a figure stuff for him. That, yeah, yeah, so we're getting a figure for him at some point, too. Okay. But those are Modoc's henchmen, and they all do things like just do damage or <laughs> or they um, do damage based off of how much stuff's face up in the storyline. So him flipping cards over yeah. kind of works so, in your advantage a little bit in this way. <laughs> so he's working against himself in a small way. Right. All right. Um, well, is there any other information about their threat cards? Um, the rest of his threat cards are do pretty much which are normal. in line with, with what else he does, which is flipping your cards oh, over. Okay. And does he use any special tokens? Modoc does not use any special tokens. Okay. So the last person that we're going to be talking about is Kang. When was the first time he appeared in the comics? Again, another loaded question. But in this case... Because in this specific one, it's Kang the Conqueror. Okay. You know, I don't want a lot of, uh, um, 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 actually a nerd rage to come out. <laughs> in this case, Kang the Conqueror, his first appearance. Now he is, uh, first off, his, his real name is Nathaniel Richards. There's all sorts of, uh-huh. you know, speculate on that all you want. <laughs> Kang the Conqueror first appeared in Fantastic Four number 19. So original volume so, one. So Fantastic again, Four. take the name how you will. Right, right. <laughs> Fantastic Four, 19, in 1963. Gosh, another old character. So another old, he is definitely an an old classic Marvel villain. Okay. What is his general background and what powers does he usually have? Uh, So Kang is from the far future. Okay. He He is a time traveler. He's got a lot of technology that helps him travel through time and he is master, I'll put it in air quotes, mastered time. Okay. To a degree that some of his greatest enemies uh-huh. are other versions of himself. Okay. And he's always meddling with meddling with time. Okay. He's crossing he crosses path with the Avengers Fantastic Four, the the TVA, which is an actual thing, the Time Variance Authority. Okay. Pretty much anytime time travel is involved, Kang's probably there. Okay. Okay. And and the reason he's called the Conqueror is because he travels through time conquering all the timelines. Okay. And ta- conquering different uh his different iterations of himself have conquered different time periods in fact. Okay. So. Okay. And so what was your favorite appearance of Kang? Uh my favorite appearance was probably in an, an issue of Exiles where <laughs> it's a weird variant, variant of Kang, Kang. who is okay. like a female variant of Kang who just shows up right at the end and goes, "I'm Kang the Conqueror, you all work for me." Which is then Exiles if anyone doesn't know is another book about time travel and right. variants and multiverseness. Uh, you know, people becoming unhinged in time to fix things. Yeah. So they're told. So they're told. And at this point, they find out, wait, it seems like the person we're working for is changing constantly. All right. So uh, where is Kang from in this game? He is, like with MODOK, he's another um, Kickstarter exclusive from the... uh, Okay. From the promos box. The big promos box. But for season one, correct? But for season one. Okay. Um, And what's funny is they didn't actually have 
his background information or really say anything about him on uh-huh. the actual Kickstarter. So when I was trying to put stuff together, uh-huh. I had to ask people in, in the different Facebook groups. It was like, hey, did you guys see anything about Kang? And it perplexed everybody. <laughs> so it seemed like a very Kang thing to do of him just kind of inserting himself into <laughs> the game. All right. So is there any special setup for Kang? Weirdly enough, there's no special setup for Kang. Huh. All right. You know. He's got to have some special roles then. He does. He, um, instead of activating his BAM when a hero is KO'd, he Uh just goes again. He puts another card into the master plan. Okay. So basically he gets to go more. Right. He goes faster. He goes more. Which means, you know, you have to work harder to beat him. Right. All right. Uh, Does he have any special win conditions or villainous plots? He does not okay. have any special win conditions, oddly enough. Okay. Um, then all of his special stuff must be in his master plan deck, huh? Boy, is it. Oh, and what's that? All right. So he has uh, half of his deck is this one card called Time Master. And what's that do? So what that's going to do is either take him out of play, in which case he he's removed from the board. Uh-huh. And you can't, so you can't affect him. But can he affect you? He can he can still do some things to affect you. His BAM changes depending on okay. if he's in play or out of play. Okay. So if he's out of play, he sends minions after you. Okay. Uh, thugs and things like that. His so, c- and if that Time Master card gets played again, he uh, comes back into play. He shows up wherever the heroes are. Okay. So half of his deck basically is moving him in and out of time. Right. Which is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then does he have for his threats? Is there anything special about his threat deck? Uh his threat deck. Oh my gosh. Um yeah, his threat deck keeps him from taking damage. Oh, so besides going in and out of time where he can't be hurt, his threat deck helps keep him yeah, from right. taking damage. It either helps him it keeps him from taking damage or it makes it so that when he comes back into play, he's uh-huh. at full health. Oh my. So wow. yes. All really, really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And does he use any special tokens or anything else? Kang uses the crisis tokens. Oh, and what do the crisis tokens do for uh, him? So in this particular case, when he throws a crisis token down on mm-hmm. a location, you can't use that location's end of turn effect. Okay. So he locks up those locations. And Very annoying. All right. And he doesn't have anything in particular that removes crisis token. He does, he does not. He does not. <laughs> okay. All righty. And so that was all four of them. The Wasp, Ant-Man, Modoc, and Kang the Conqueror. Thank you guys for tuning in for this. And thank you, John, for all your knowledge and input. on. Hey, guys. Just a sort of a side note on this, because I know we were trying to cover this on all of them, and we kind of forgot about this on Kang the Conqueror. So Ruby would have should have asked me... Um, how this character plays does it how does it match up in relation to how the character is portrayed in the comics and i in my opinion this is a pretty good um portrayal of king the conqueror in this game because he's annoying and he pops in and out of time You've been listening to the Swarmcast Podcast Marvel United Character Review. We are in no way supported by or affiliated with Simon, although if they want to send us something or talk to us, hey, give us a call. I'm right here, Simon. So check out the Marvel United game in retail and at your friendly local gaming store. Let us know what you think of this segment and who your favorite characters are. And also a big shout out to the Marvel United Fanatics Facebook community as well. You guys rock! <laughs> Dun, 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 dun.
That's the end of the Swarmcast Pack this episode, you know. You should like and subscribe to us wherever we do go. Cause it's gonna be the future soon, and I won't always be this way. When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away. It's gonna be the future soon, I've never seen it quite so clear. But when my heart is breaking, I can close my eyes and it's already that's right, it's the end of the Swarmcast episode! Hooray, we made it! Hey, go and like and subscribe to us on uh, Podbean, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, wherever you want to find us. We're actually on Amazon Podcasts, so if you have an Amazon Music, check us out there. And we're going to be showing up on Spotify. Don't get us confused with those Iowa Hawkeyes guys. In fact, if you find them, you should email them and say, hey, what? Are you done yet? I'm almost. All right, I'm wrapping this up. Talk to you guys later. (laughs) Now it's time for our wrap up. Let's give it everything we've got. Ready? Begin. Avengers assemble and accumulate accomplishments and aren't anywhere as awesome as the age of apocalypse. Beta Ray Bill brings the boom to the blacktop, but the best bounding into battle is Batrock. Clearly, Cable carries cannons in his coat and Colossus could crush a car like a Coke can. Doctor Doom's droids double as decoys. Devil Dinosaur damages and destroys. Electra is an espionage expert. Easily without even exerting effort, the Fantastic Four flew to the far side of the moon. Fighting for the future, facing Fin Fang Foom. Galactus gathers galaxies in his gut, so the good guys gotta get along and gang up. Hercules hits hard, Hulk hits hardest. Hella headshots, Hawkeye hits targets. Iron Man's armor is instantly iconic. Isn't it ironic that it isn't iron on it? Juggernaut, Juggle Jean, Grey and Jubilee, then J. Joe to Jameson join the jamboree. Craven killed and kept keepsakes from the bodies. Kingpin knows Kung Fu and Karate. Luke Cage is a local living legend And Logan lectures young listeners learning lessons Matt Murdock was unmasked in the media Machine Man memorized most of Wikipedia New Warriors, Night Thresher, name Arita Nova Nobody notices now the 90s are over Otto Octavius, ousted from Osgore Operated by the one and only Norman Osborn Punisher packs a piece and pursues evil Peter Parker's powers are used to protect people Quit inquire questions authority Quicksilver status quo is quick been and quarreling Readership is ready for ROM to resume With Richard Rider Ronan and Rocket Raccoon She-Hulk sometimes speaks to the screen Suddenly Stephen Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme Bugs get thumped when a thing tells time Thor turned into a toad and got tongue-tied Ultron's urge and urge to usurp Is unparalleled in the Ultimate Universe Volstag's vacuous void is voracious Various villainous versions of Venom are vanquished When Wolverine was Weapon X He went after Wendigo wandering the wilderness X-Men, X-Force, X-Factor Exiles, X-Statics, Excalibur The Young Avengers were yesterday's youth. Yellow Jacket yells at the years new recruits. Zany Arnim Zola, Zap Baron Zemo, Zoom in the negative zone, less than zero with a zillion. Celis, Marvel, zombies. <laughs> Good. Can you say it fast?